Over the Wall podcast coming at you. We got a football weekend ahead, but we're going to hit you with our normal podcast routine with our NFL weekly top 10, but also hit on some NFL side notes with a lot of intriguing storylines going on in the NFL. We'll touch on the Dallas Cowboys meltdown right now. Also kind of hit a little more on the Dak injury, but more on the contract side. So I think it's really interesting. Baker Mayfield gets benched. What does that really mean for the Browns and Baker moving ahead? We'll also hit on our weekly Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengals update. Cincinnati Bengals are kind of my adopted team. So we'll talk a lot about that, especially their head coach, Zach Taylor, and kind of what I see for the future with Joe and the Bengals. Let's do our SEC weekly top 14. I'll kind of preview where LSU is going to be at. Bama's going to be at the top after that big win against Georgia. We'll have a lot on the Georgia side, so to speak. Before we get into all that, we're going to hit on LSU. LSU going into this weekend against South Carolina was a game that you're not going to say you feel good about going forward because LSU has looked really, really bad these past three games. But the bye week came at a good time. And you felt like they can kind of regroup going to South Carolina. And I've previewed it before where South Carolina comes off a big win. They're on a high. LSU really has their ears pinned and they're ready to rock and roll, I'm sure, after a couple of good weeks of preparation. You know, Coach O has said over and over again they're trying to simplify the defense. I do believe the defense is talented and will get better game by game. So I do expect a really good performance from them. Not when say amazing, they're going to throw up a goose egg, but. They're going to play a lot better than what they've shown, at least in my opinion, right? If I had to make my expert opinion, offensively is going to be the issue because what has been driving LSU? If you had to really hang your hat on one thing this whole season with LSU, and that would be the offense, but specifically Miles Brennan. As much as people want to crap on him, you know, he's played well. Sure, he's not Joe Burrow, the greatest, you know, football player in college football history, maybe, but he's been pretty good and he's put up some good numbers and he's throwing the ball over the field well he's out he's got a rib injury or an abdominal tear which will sideline for maybe a good while we don't know but he's not going to play Saturday now you don't have a trusty backup you have two true freshmen who are battling out to see who's going to get you know the first team job in Finley and Johnson I would think Johnson gets the nod you know everything you've heard from the LSU camp in you know the offseason was that they really liked him a lot. So I would expect that to be the guy moving forward, even though I think Finley will get some reps. But this isn't a good spot for LSU. South Carolina's not a bad team. But like I said, you were hanging your hat on throwing the ball all over the yard. And I just don't see that with two true freshmen. They could have some success, but they're going to have to run the ball. And they haven't been able to run the ball. I think the O-line's been, been really weak. So this is going to be interesting. When I think LSU will pull one out, real squeaker but it's going to be tight it's not going to be you know an easy going game unless South Carolina turns the football over at a high rate but LSU has won the turnover battle the past three weeks and especially in the losses they've won that that battle and they were in the plus margin but they still couldn't you know overcome their deficient their defensive issues so you know really good game once again if you have high expectations for LSU this year, that's a you problem. I don't at all. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna take some L's the rest of the way. This is almost a rebuilding job right here, you know, for how bad the defense has played. But prediction: LSU wins by a field goal Saturday. Won't look pretty at all, but it's a win. So let's hit on our our podcast topics. Let's go weekly top ten and SEC top fourteen. Let's dive into it.
No LSU game this weekend to talk about because of the postponement in Florida. But we still had some college football. Bama-Georgia was a really big game. Kind of went the way I expected with Bama winning. Bama's just really freaking good. And we'll get to Bama in a little bit. We'll hit our SEC weekly top 14 like we do every week. And then let's hit on some other topics. We're, we've become very SEC-centric. But we got the Big Ten coming back this weekend. Interested to see you know, what Ohio State looks like against Nebraska. Really excited to watch Justin Fields. He's, really, he's always excited to watch. Keep an eye on Penn State. I think Penn State could also be a really, really good team who could push Ohio State. But let's start off with Clemson. Clemson is annihilating everybody in the ACC, which I believe is a referendum on the conference itself. I think the conference is just a joke. Um, When you look at it top to bottom, there's nobody who can compete with them. And I thought Notre Dame would give them some pushback. The the game is going to be played in Notre Dame, South Bend. But there's, it's 25% capacity. That's not even going to be a, a factor at all. And Notre Dame the past couple weeks has not looked great. 12-7 win over Louisville, who I don't think is a very good football team. We've seen Miami, who people thought were a contender, you know, go to Clemson and get destroyed off the field. This weekend, Georgia Tech, who I thought was a decent team, right? On a normal year, we'll give you about seven wins, a bowl team. Clemson beat them by 70. And if they called off the dogs in the third quarter, they could have beat them by 100. I mean, it's an absolute joke. Lawrence is just hitting on all cylinders right now. They're not going to get pushed until they probably get to the college football playoff. That's just how good they are. I think it's them and Bama, and we kind of wait to see what Ohio State can do. Big 12, the past couple weeks, is I'm not going to say as bad as the ACC because I think Clemson and everybody else basically is what it is in the ACC. I think it's a lot of good to average when you look in the Big 12. And the main storyline is Oklahoma, who's been very consistent with Lincoln Riley the past three to four years, making the college football playoff, winning the conference. But that was with, you know, older quarterbacks that transferred in. It kind of played, you know, into Lincoln Riley's hand. You had Baker Mayfield, older quarterback, transferred from Texas Tech. I think I believe he redshirted the year at Oklahoma. And then you had Kyler Murray, just a freak of nature talent, who transfers from A&M. And then you have Jalen Hurts. He transfers from Alabama. So you had guys with experience who can come in there and, you know, be a, a competent quarterback for you. Now you have Spencer Rattler. He is a redshirt freshman, young guy, and you're trying to mold him. And it's going to take time. And so they lose their first two conference games. They Squeezed by Texas, who we'll get to shortly. So Oklahoma, not the same team. And for me, what it shows you with Oklahoma, and I think Lincoln Riley is a good coach, I do, is that they need a guy behind center who is absolutely dynamic to be good. Think about it. Baker Mayfield won the Heisman. Kyler Murray won the Heisman. Two of the both of them were, you know, number one overall picks. Now Baker Mayfield's a different discussion just because he got bitched the other day. But they were still number one picks. Jalen Hurts, second round pick, made it, you know, he was a Heisman finalist, made it to New York. So that's what Lincoln Riley needs. That's essentially the ingredients for Oklahoma success. And now that they're not getting that top end quarterback play, you're starting to see. People believe that Oklahoma is a, a dynamic, you know, football program. I don't believe they recruit at the same level as these some of these SEC teams in the Clemson and Ohio State. They just don't. I believe they recruited a top 15 level, but you got to recruit a top 10 to top five level to, you know, really compete for a title year in and year out. And I don't believe they're that team. 
So what they need is a, a superstar level quarterback to get them to that level. And when you're seeing it now, they don't have that. And so let's get to Texas. Texas is just, I think Texas just is what it is what it is at this point. I think what people believe Texas is just isn't the reality. People think Texas is this, you know, unbelievably story program with championship banners everywhere. And they're not quite that. They have won a championship, you know, 05, Vince Young. They've made it to a championship with Colt McCoy. But there were some down years. And when was the last time you thought Texas was a big time, you know, program that was competing for a championship late in the year? It's been a very long time. I don't know why that is. They should be dominating. I mean, it's Texas in Austin. You know, Texas high school football is everything. You would think that program in that state would mean a lot. And it probably does. It just, I don't get why they're not winning. I don't know if it's because Tom Herman isn't a great coach. I think he's a good coach. But they're always a disappointment. And I think they do get good quarterback play. You know, Ellinger has been there four years. He's given them good quarterback play. But they don't. They don't produce top-end NFL talent like a LSU does. LSU got 14 guys drafted last year. I think that was a stat that it's been, I don't know, X amount of years. It was a big number that Texas has gotten a defensive player, you know, drafted in the top two rounds. I mean, it's just not – they're not, you know, building up their players. It's just – I don't know. Something, something's wrong there. I don't know if it can be fixed, and maybe it just is what it is. They remind me a lot of Michigan. And what people believe Texas is, is just not a reality. They're not that type of team. At least they haven't been for the past 20, 30 years, in my opinion. So overall, Big 12, very disappointing. They're not going to get anybody into this you know, college football playoff, as far as it looks like to me. So now let's hit on our, our weekly SEC top 14. We'll start off at 14 with Vanderbilt. Once again, not much to talk about. They're just god-awful. LSU. I don't believe is very good, and they beat the doors off of Vanderbilt, so that'll tell you a lot. At number 13, I have LSU. LSU still has so much to prove, but like I've said in previous podcasts, this week off helped them so much. They were going to get their ass beaten at Florida. There's no doubt about it. You cannot fix it you know, on the run like they were going to have to fix it after that um, Missouri debacle. They were going to get their butts handed to them, and they luckily get a break here. And time to regroup. And as Coach Joe says, they're going to simplify things on defense. LSU has playmakers. No, they're, they're not short of playmakers. You've recruited at a high level. There's a lot of dudes out there who can play. Now, put them in position to be successful. This shit's on the coaches. Period. Offense will be fine. And like I said previously, it's a good thing they catch a break because Miles Brennan was, was doubtful for the game, wasn't going to play. Now, we'll see, you know, What's going to happen this game against South Carolina? Does he play? What happens? If he doesn't play, it's not good because now you're looking at two true freshmen. There hasn't been one that's a clear-cut starter yet. You're expecting him to go play SEC game in what I wouldn't say is a must-win, but the the program needs a big win in a big way this weekend you know, to help morale. Now, I do believe they get it. I think they play this weekend. I do believe they'll play their best game of the year. You now have two weeks to prepare for a South Carolina team. And I've said this before. It's it's a weird way of thinking, but it's my way of thinking. South Carolina beats Auburn. Now, we're not going to get into what's Auburn. What's it? It's a big win for them, right? I'd rather play a team off of a big win. You know, their head is held high. 
instead of a team coming off a loss who feels like, you know, they need to prove something. And I think that's where LSU's at. And so now LSU sees South Carolina win, and now their ears are pinned up a little bit. Okay, now they're not going there and going to sleepwalk. I think LSU is going to play their best game of the season. And I think, you know, I'm not going to say they blow out South Carolina, but I do believe they win by two touchdowns or more, and they look really, really good. Now, that's contingent on Miles Brennan starting. If Miles Brennan doesn't start, it's fair game. I think anything can happen just because, I mean, you're looking at quarterbacks who have never taken snaps before. And then LSU's run game and O-line play isn't great. So you need Miles Brennan to be out there and, and throw the ball over the yard. But LSU at 13. At number 12, Missouri. Now, Missouri didn't play this weekend. They were scheduled to play Vanderbilt, but COVID reasons. Missouri, I still don't believe is very good. They beat LSU. That's why I have them a notch higher. But I mean, LSU made them look really good that weekend. They're not a very good football team. At 11, Mississippi State. What have I, what have I been saying? First off, I'm going to keep hitting this because I'm right about this, is that Mike Leach is the most overrated coach in the country. And we've seen in a while. Now, that being said, is he a bad coach? No. But what people believe he is is not what he actually is. He was the first guy to kind of throw the ball all over the field, and it was fun to watch, and it was exciting. They were putting up points. It was really the first of its kind. But if you look at it, he's never even won a division championship when he was in the Big 12 or the Pac-12. They were competitive as teams, Texas Tech and Washington State, but they never won conference championship. They never you know, won a division championship. Never really won anything. So I think we need to pump the brakes on this Mike Leach thing. Also, he's never been a good recruiter, and he's not a motivator. And you're starting to see they're losing games here. They're not looking very good. Their offense looks weak. It's amazing because, I, I, you know, everybody after that first week when they beat LSU jumped all over them. And that's a referendum on LSU, how bad LSU is. I mean, you're, you're talking about a Mississippi State team who's now lost to Arkansas, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. And the Arkansas game was close, but the other two games were blowouts. And so that's a huge referendum on, you know, LSU. Now, Mike Leach, year one, you have to expect it's not going to go according to plan just because you need a certain type of personnel to fit, you know, what you're trying to do. And he probably he might not have that yet. Also, K.J. Costello, very average quarterback. You know, you could have sworn he was Dan Marino the first week when LSU made him. So Mississippi State is just they're at the point where I thought they would be. And that's a below average football team. At number 10, this is a team who I was a little higher on. But once again, it's kind of in the same spot as Mississippi State, where it's a new coach. You need time to kind of build up. And, and this guy will because he's a phenomenal recruiter. And he's a really, really good coach. And I've been hitting this all off season and during the season. And that Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is a way better coach, in my opinion. At least what I would want from my coach than Mike Leach. He's a good recruiter. He's a great offensive mind, the new generation. I think he's a motivator. I think guys want to play for him. So Ole Miss this weekend, they had seven turnovers against Arkansas. So they lose 33-21. Matt Corral had six picks. I mean, it was just a terrible outing. I mean, obviously, you condense it to maybe four turnovers. They don't win the game, or they win the game. Just a bad showing. They're just not there yet. Defensively, they don't have the personnel. But you have to give Kiffin, I'd say, in about two to three years, then they'll start working. Ole Miss will never be a top-end program. It just won't. But it can be a top-five, top-six SEC-type program. I, I do believe that. Kind of where Hugh Freeze had him, 
where they can go into an Alabama or an LSU and compete. And every, you know, once every three or four years, they can beat that team. And that's what I can see from Ole Miss. They'll never be a championship contender team. It's just the reality of college football is that some programs just don't have that, that top end level. But it's going to take a little time. So I have Ole Miss at 10. At number nine, Arkansas. Arkansas is one of the most surprising teams in college football, in my opinion. I mean, just how bad they were, you know, with Chad Morris. And now with Pittman, they are competing. I mean, even that first week against Georgia, they were there, like, until the third quarter. And you have to realize, Georgia has so many more players than they do. It's not even funny. So they have them going in the right direction. Felipe Franks actually looks really, really good. And that's and I've seen Felipe Franks in Florida, and he wasn't that good. And so – you know, they should have won that game against Auburn. They've beaten Mississippi State. They just beat Ole Miss. I mean, they have the ball rolling, and, and you know, it's happy. I'm, I'm glad to see that they're, you know, getting some wins here. Auburn at eight. Now, here's a topic with Auburn that, that you know, because Auburn lost to South Carolina this weekend. Auburn is all over the map, and it's they're really hard to figure out under Gus Malzahn. And right now you're starting to hear, you know, whispers of, well, you know, He's always been on the hot seat when people want him fired. And the name that people are talking about is Hugh Freeze. And for me, people just don't see reality with, with the coaching changes, and especially with their own schools. Let's take a look at Auburn. Auburn is in the same state as Alabama. Who do you think is the more dominant program and has been for like 100 years? Alabama. I'm sorry. It just is. Now, there was a 10-year run when Bama was down that Auburn was the king of that state. But that was just a, a very minuscule time. Bama will always be king. I'm sorry. They just will be. Also, geographically, you're located right next to Georgia. Georgia is just an overall better program than you and a better brand. You're close to Florida. You know, LSU gets players out of Alabama. It's, a, it's not the most ideal place. Now, you can always get, you know, top-end talent. I believe you can recruit top 10. But it's very difficult to to maintain, you know, or to be in Alabama or a Georgia just because of the proximity with those other programs. It's tough to beat a Bama just because they're the, the top dog in your state. So people become unrealistic with expectations. And, and Hugh Freeze, what makes you think if they hire Hugh Freeze that they're all of a sudden going to be this juggernaut program? It's just not realistic. I'm sorry. Now, you can you know, maybe fire mouse on, I guess. But, you know, the, the, the head scratching thing is like, who are you going to hire? Because you want somebody better and you give me a name. <laughs> I mean, honestly, give me a name that you think is going to be better. I don't know if it's out there. And so that'll be interesting to watch what happens with Malzahn. Um, I do think if they fire him, they probably would go after who freeze. I don't know if they would go after Billy Napier and UL. I'm not sure. Maybe that's too big of a job yet. Far Napier. So, you know, Auburn at eight and Auburn, like I said, they're just disappointing. I don't think Bo Nix is very good. He was highly touted coming out of high school. You can see talent, and I think he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's a great thrower of the football. But what I can see is he's always rattled. He's never calm, cool, and collective like you saw from Burrow last year. Now, I know Burrow's a once-in-a-generation player, but he, the, the kid always seems rattled and makes poor decisions, you know, and so that, that would be my biggest thing with Auburn is just really poor quarterback play, and if Malzahn could get, you know, top-end quarterback play, maybe it would change things, because I think, I think he's a really good offensive mind, but, you know, this quarterback right here, I, I'm just not a big believer in him. Then at number seven, South Carolina, 
and this is kind of where the SEC gets jumbled. Um, we're going to get to these teams later. I think there's four good teams, and I think the rest, it's almost like, you know, week by week, you can put one up, put one down. South Carolina at seven, they win this week, and they've shown that they can be competitive and that they're not a bad football team. They're they're competent. They're, they're what they should be. And like I said, you could mix and match all these teams. I put them ahead of Auburn because they beat Auburn, obviously. Um, I don't think Muschamp gets fired just because of the pandemic, the loss of revenue. They're not going to fire him. I thought there was a definite guy who was on the hot seat who was going to get canned. I don't think he will. I think he's going to win a couple games. I think they lose to LSU this weekend. But they'll win a couple more, and, and he'll keep his job moving forward. But 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 nothing special with South Carolina. They're just a lot of average. At number six, Tennessee. See, this is once again what I said, where you just put anybody really. Tennessee, I don't think, is a very good football team. You know, But they've won some games, so I guess you could put them right there at six. But, you know, their quarterback, Garantano, threw the ball, you know, to Kentucky a couple times, had a pick six. He had a couple pick sixes. And that really turned the game over in Kentucky's favor. Tennessee's just not ready yet. And I keep saying Tennessee, you know, the problem with a program like Tennessee, and you can even put Auburn in that in that realm, is that when you win a championship and you have a once-in-a-generation player like an Auburn, Cam Newton, like Tennessee with Peyton Manning, and then you had, you know, obviously T. Martin after him to win that championship, it it makes you have unrealistic expectations. It really, really does. And so I guess people in Tennessee are still chasing that high of winning a championship and sometimes believe that's who they are, and that's not. They are where they are now, a little better, you know, compete at a little higher of a level, but I, they're not a championship-type program, you know, and neither is Auburn, and it's clouding their judgment as far as their coaches and expectations. I still don't believe Tennessee's just roster-wise is top-end. I don't care what you want to believe. They're not. Obviously, the quarterback play isn't very good either. But I have them at six. And like I said, you could put pretty much anybody there. And like number five, that show you you could put anybody there. Kentucky, fifth-best team in the, in the SEC, I guess. I think they're the most consistent week in and week out, meaning I know what to expect from them. Offense will be average. Quarterback will be able to run the ball a little bit, won't throw too much. Defense will be solid. They're just a solid football team who's just going to be even kill. And, and, you know, they are who they are. And I think Stoops is a really good coach. He's done a phenomenal job at Kentucky because, once again, Kentucky is not a championship program. But they're they're winning games and they're being competitive. And that's all you want from a program like that. So they should be very, very satisfied at Kentucky with what they're seeing. And here, here we go. Now, this is where we get to the four teams who I think are good teams, where they should be favored, you know, by double digits over all these past teams I talked about. Let's start off at number four, Florida. Now, Florida, I dropped them below AM because obviously they've beaten AM or they lost to AM in College Station. So I think Florida's pretty good. I don't think their defense is great, but I think offensively they're very, very dynamic. Trask has had a really good year. And, you know, that game against Georgia will be interesting, even though I think Georgia is a better team roster-wise. Just from a holistic standpoint, Georgia has better players right now. And we've seen, we have a history with Mullen. He's not a guy, well, he was at Mississippi State, and they had a really good year with Dak Prescott. I don't know if he's a championship top-end level coach, but I think he's a 10-2 and coach, you know, 
I don't know how great of a recruiter he is. As far as a great recruiting base, they need to be recruiting at a higher level. And if they do, then you'll see, you know, it's starting to pay dividends because I'm, I'm big on recruiting. And Georgia kills it. LSU kills it. And Alabama kills it. And that's why the years leading up, those are the teams you're going to start to see at the top of the SEC. Then at number three, A&M, you know, now they're kind of starting to, to, to feel themselves a little bit after the first couple of weeks. Vanderbilt, I don't think they showed too much. They played a vanilla because they didn't want to show too much on film for the Alabama game, which was in week two, and they lost. But now you're seeing some steady football here, you know, beating Florida at home. You know, this weekend they beat Mississippi State. There wasn't any worry in the world about it, just handled them. I think they beat them by two touchdowns and well-coached team. But once again, not a top-end, like, championship contender team, but just a solid football team. And then at number two, Georgia. Now, Georgia loses to Bama this weekend, but they competed. I mean, it was a really good game for three quarters. Here's the problem with Georgia is that Kirby Smart is having a tough time breaking away from something. And he's having a tough time breaking away from the Nick Saban early 2000s to late 2000s mode of, you know, quarterback doesn't have to be a superstar. It just has to be good. You know, I don't want a guy who's going to lose the game for me. And I want to be conservative with my quarterback play and how I treat the quarterback. Look at Georgia when he came, when he got to Georgia. I believe it was in 2016. Jacob Eason was the quarterback. Very talented guy coming from the state of Washington. He starts the first year. The second year with Kirby Smart, and that's in 17 when they went to the national championship and almost won it. He gets hurt first game. Fromm comes in, and they're winning games because they're more talented than teams. Fromm doesn't have to do much. So what he does is he's, you know, Fromm is winning games, so we're just going to keep sticking with him. And in my opinion, I think that lost him the championship. I think if Eason comes back, and they, he's able to stretch the field a little more in that championship game against Bama, and I think they beat Bama. The next year, since Fromm won games the year before, he's conservative, doesn't want to make a change. He has Justin Fields at quarterback. We know what Justin Fields is. He is a top-in-level quarterback who is going to be a first-rounder, probably the number two overall pick in the NFL, and I think he's going to have a damn good career. I think he could be the Sean Watson, if not better. I think he's a better thrower of the football than Sean Watson. He doesn't play fields, fields transfers, because why? Fromm's winning games, so we don't want to upset Davacard here, right? And so he loses fields. Well, we see what Fromm is. Fromm is very average quarterback. And, you know, they got to the SC Championship a couple times, but that was pretty much it. You could have Justin Fields right now as your quarterback. That could be your quarterback right now. You'd be the best team in the country, if, you know, next to Clemson, and I, but I think you'd be better than Alabama if you had Justin Fields at quarterback. Now, they have Stetson Bennett at quarterback. He was legitimately the fourth-string quarterback, and he doesn't want to make the change to JT Daniels, who's coming off the knee injury from last year when he transferred from USC, but he's going to have to make the change sooner or later if they want to, to reach their ceiling. He plays it too conservative with the quarterbacks. That's just my opinion. I think the Bennett kid is good, but there's a ceiling there. I think Daniels was a, a big-time recruit coming out of high school for a reason. Let him have a chance to play. I think their roster is extremely talented. The state of Georgia has so much talent. They really do, and they've recruited it really well. The roster's loaded. But once again, as we've seen with LSU, it, it opens your eyes. LSU had a, a really good roster last year. But if Miles Brennan was playing quarterback last year, you would not have beaten Alabama, and you wouldn't have won the national championship. So to beat Alabama, what have we seen? Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, 
you know, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, guys of that nature. You have to have a good quarterback who can make plays, not just play within the framework of a system. We've seen Trevor Lawrence beat him. You have to have that dynamic guy who can make plays for you. And right now, Georgia doesn't. So until Georgia gets a dynamic quarterback, they're not going to win a championship. Sorry, they just won't. Then obviously Alabama had won, and I don't think it's close. Bama, to me, I believe is going to win the championship this year. You know, I, I think they will because I, I think from a whole holistic standpoint, roster-wise, I think they're probably better than Clemson, even though that might not be showing right now because Clemson's playing a bunch of nobodies. Everybody was all in at Alabama. No opt-outs. I mean, you even had Dylan Moses, who's coming off an ACL injury, who didn't opt out of the year. Everybody's all in. Mac Jones is super underrated. I don't think he's extremely mobile, but he is just distributing the ball to his, his weapons. And now they have this new weapon in uh, Mechie, this other receiver who's dynamic. Waddle is big time. Devontae Smith is big time. Those guys will be NFL receivers, you know, round one guys. Najee Harris, I mean, they are loaded. The defense is going to be fine. I know they're getting us some points, but when it comes down to crunch time, they'll be fine. Bam is really, really good. It's really hard to see Mac Jones and, like, see what type of level of player he is. Is he going to be an NFL quarterback? I don't know because his weapons are just so damn good that he doesn't have to do much. I mean, he's just throwing bombs out there, and they're going for 80 yards. And Bama is legit. And I would compare them to Clemson in that aspect, too. Like, all the guys are in. You didn't really see any opt-outs. It was like, look, we're all in for a championship. And that's why it's going to be those teams at the end. Because there were, like, you know, opt-outs. Like, LSU, Jamar Chase, Shelvin. Like, uh, we're in limbo here. We don't know what to do. No, everybody all in. And that's what you saw. You know, Saban was able to coach. That's a different topic. And, you know, I think he's now still undefeated against his former assistants. But Bama is rolling. They're fun to watch offensively. And I don't know if anybody's going to be able to beat them this year. Maybe Clemson. Let's dive into our NFL weekly top 10. Before that, let's hit some NFL side notes. Dallas Cowboys, America's team, are in shambles. Just like they have been for a very long time. And they've had... You know, bits and pieces where they were okay. Um, Dak Prescott's first year, a couple of years ago, they kind of slid into the playoffs. Tony Romo's basically last year in 2014, you know. But besides that, it, it's just been in shambles. And now you're really starting to see it. they get absolutely pummeled on Monday night to the Arizona Cardinals, who I really don't believe is a, a great football team. I like Kyler Murray, but have my questions as far as Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach. I think it's an okay roster. They got blown off the field, 38 to 10. They're two and four right now with a absolute lucky win against Atlanta. And, you know, where is this team heading? You already hear, you know, the sentiment in the locker room with Mike McCarthy. He made a terrible hire with Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. I think that Jerry Jones once again made a bad decision and a bad move. And I think he's been great on personnel, him and his son, through the draft. I think they've drafted really well. But the problem they're doing, they're having right now is they're just handing out cash to everybody. And you can't do that. You can't just always be Mr. Nice Guy and just hand out cash. Amari Cooper, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, because not everybody's worth it. And there is a salary cap. So there is a strategy to just giving out, you know, contracts like that. Ezekiel Elliott is a terrible contract. You're talking about a guy who had two really good years, in my opinion, but now he's starting to fall off. And you have to kind of kind of see through it. You had issues with him off the field. 
Was he all in type of guy? Probably not. And now you just paid him a lot of money and it's not really paying dividends. And now you're stuck. And so, you know, that being said, I think he hired McCarthy because McCarthy was going to be a yes man and be able to listen to whatever Jerry said. And that's not working out right now. McCarthy looks lost. And then we'll jump into the Dak Prescott situation. So Dak Prescott, obviously, with a devastating ankle injury, he'll be back next year. And I think he'll be fine. I think we've seen injuries like that and players come back and still be very effective. I don't think it's an absolute debilitating injury. But what I hear is in the media, because a lot of times in the media, we always they all people always try to, to victimize situations. Right. And so they're trying to put Dak Prescott as a, a victim. And Jerry Jones is an easy target for people to crap on. So it's Jerry Jones's fault. He didn't give him the contract. And you hear this like, well, Jerry Jones has to pay him now. He has to pay him. He has to do right by him. Why? This is a business. This isn't, I mean, Jerry Jones offered him a very lucrative contract, but his agent was very selfish and wanted this, you know, astronomical deal and to really put his stamp on it. And so I think that it was like a hundred million guaranteed, you know, I'm, you're talking about 32, 33 million per year. It was a very good contract. So it was on the table. Jerry Jones doesn't have to give him something because he got hurt. Well, this is a sport. Why am I going to give somebody a contract now just because they got hurt? Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, will he get a contract? I don't know. If I were in the Cowboys shoes, I would I would probably tag him again. Give him the franchise tag again. But to be honest with you, I'd tag him again. But then I'd also be looking for the next quarterback in the draft because you paid all these guys so much money. Like, you have to almost draft a guy to where he could be on a rookie deal for two or three years to where you can eventually get some of these guys off the books because you've just paid so much money to different players. Ezekiel Elliott will be a waste of money. You know, Derrick Henry is making basically half of what of Ezekiel Elliott's making, and we see the difference. <laughs> so, I mean, Derrick Henry is carrying his team. Ezekiel Elliott can, you know, sometimes hold you back with the, the fumbles on Monday night. So that would be my take on the Cowboys. Um, a topic of conversation is the Atlanta Falcons almost look like they're going to be in a rebuild situation. What do you do with Matt Ryan? I still think Matt Ryan's an effective quarterback, but in this day and age, I think people are looking for a different type of quarterback. I think they're looking for, you know, a mobile quarterback, this, you know, Tom Brady, I wouldn't necessarily say Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees is, is an athletic guy, but the Tom Brady's of the world, the Matt Ryan's of the world, the Stafford's, I think those guys are kind of fading out. And so what do the Atlanta Falcons do? I know they have a lot of money tied in. Another interesting storyline, in my opinion, at least, I don't know if it'll go down just because, like I said, contract situation and money, is Matt Ryan became an MVP and a household name under offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. What's going on in San Francisco? He just benched Jimmy Garoppolo. It just seems like, you know, that's a situation that's in shambles. Do they try to make a move in the offseason, possibly, with Matt Ryan? Probably not. Like I said, financially, it just doesn't make sense because I think they're, the Atlanta Falcons are, are tied with a lot of money to Matt Ryan. I don't know how you can get out of that. But it'll be interesting. I mean, I think that would be a decent fit right there if Matt Ryan you know, paired up with Kyle Shanahan again. So that's kind of, kind of something to keep your eye out on. Then let's talk about some Cincinnati Bengals. And Cincinnati jumped up on Indianapolis, who I think is a good team. 21-0 Sunday. But they fell apart and weren't moving the ball too well in the second half, and the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. I mean, Phillip Rivers was just marching the ball downfield, and that's Phillip Rivers. I mean, he's just not very good anymore. My question has been, 
and will continue to be with Cincinnati because I watch them close because of Joe and, you know, they're almost like a my, my new Saints type team where I'm, I'm rooting for them and have a rooting interest. The question is, is Zach Taylor a good coach? I don't think he's a terrible coach, but if I'm in, you know, basically the second year midway through the season and I'm still scratching my head to think, man, is this guy a good coach? I can't figure it out. Then I don't think he is. I think he's fine. I think he's okay. But we have seen in the past that if you want to be elite, I mean, you have to have a coach. You can't do it on your own. This notion that you can just do it on your own. The only quarterback who ever really did it on his own, in my opinion, that was Peyton Manning. And that's to show you how great he was, you know, because people kind of crap on Manning. And I'm not a huge Manning guy. People kind of crap on him, you know, but he didn't have Bill Belichick. Think about the guys, and we name them. Tom Brady, greatest of all time. Goat, right? Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time. Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen. Well, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is just, we love him. He's phenomenal. Okay. Drew Brees, Sean Payton. What was Drew Brees without Sean Payton? Sean Payton's a big-time coach. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Andy Reid's one of the best offensive coaches we have ever seen. I mean, just throw the names out, right? Dan Marino, besides the years that he had, Don Shula, who were his coaches. See, you need somebody to elevate you. Brett Favre, Mike Holmgren was one of the most you know, sought-after coaches in the NFL. Why hasn't Aaron Rodgers won a lot of Super Bowls? I could point to leadership because I don't love his leadership. But we've seen Mike McCarthy's not that great of a coach. It almost seems like Rodgers was carrying him. You know, maybe LaFleur could be his kingmaker. We don't, we don't know. But you need that guy. You do. And that's, that's what I worry about with Burrow. I really, really do. Because he's going to need a kingmaker. We all do. And, you know, I don't think Taylor is. And I don't know. And another thing is, is I worry about organizationally. They stuck with Marvin Lewis for 15 years. For me, dude, if you know he's not the guy, pull the plug, get out, and reboot. What I would think about is, you know, Joe Brady, Carolina, is doing pretty well. Maybe that could be an option, right? They have that relationship. He's a young and upcoming coach. Could he be the kingmaker he needs? Possibly. But but that's what I worry about with Joe is that Cincinnati is just historically just makes bad moves organizationally. And I don't think Taylor is a great coach. Obviously, offensive line play is horrendous, probably the worst in the league. And apparently your defense ain't very good because Phillip Rivers is marching the ball down the field on you on Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And for that reason, I worry worry about what's going to happen in Joe's career just because I don't organizationally, I just think they're very poor. Patriots. You know, they lose Sunday to Denver, bad loss. You could blame it on the COVID situation where they haven't practiced in a long time. But people just, they fall into the whole, well, Bill Belichick will figure it out. It's New England Patriots. Remember, last year, New England, you know, down the stretch was not very good. Then they lost four out of five, lost to the Titans in the first round. I didn't think their roster was very good. They don't have good weapons on their outside. Nikhil Harry, their first round pick from a year ago is a bust. You know, Cam Newton, he's okay. Um, he had a really good game against Seattle in that, that Sunday night game. Besides that, just okay. Middle-tier quarterback, Patriots won't be a factor. I just don't see it. They can maybe sneak in the playoffs because I think they'll, you know, Bill Belichick will, will coach them to that point. But, you know, there was a little too much hype, you know, early in the year for them. Finally, on that last side note, Baker Mayfield bench Sunday. Now, 
Stefanski claims it was because he was tired of seeing him getting beaten up. I don't know. I think at this point, I can honestly say Baker Mayfield, I wouldn't say is a bust because I think he could play a tad bit, but he's a bottom tier quarterback. There's no there's no spice there with him. There's nothing that you could hang your hat on and say, damn, he's really good at this and that. I think Lincoln Riley elevated him to a certain level. I don't think he's very athletic. I think Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield's problem is <clears throat> self-awareness. I don't think he has any. I think Baker Mayfield thinks he's Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes athletically. You know, I think he believes he's Josh Allen, you know, arm strength wise, but he's none of those things. And he's throws a ton of picks and, you know, his whole demeanor and, and cockiness, that's great. But it was great in college when, you know, he could be the man at a school like Oklahoma. But I don't think it's working now. And I think people are starting to see that. And once again, when you have that cocky demeanor, it works when you're good. But when people on your team or people, you know, within the league realize that you're you're not that great, that shit's going to wear off. And people are almost going to start laughing at you, you know, because of this goofy mentality you have. I think Baker Mayfield, the story moving forward would be interesting. Will they pick up the option on him moving forward? That's the story to look out for. I think he'll start the rest of the year. I still think Cleveland's a good team. And I think, you know, nine and seven is is a realistic option, but they've beaten bad teams. And when they play good teams, they get absolutely blown off the field. So Baker Mayfield bench was a very interesting storyline. <clears throat> Let's jump to our top 10. At number 10, Chicago Bears. Nick Foles playing decent, but there is a ceiling there. I don't think he's a superstar quarterback, like I've continued to say. Good roster, good defense. They're solid. I love love their head coach, but there's a ceiling. I don't think they're better than Green Bay. Now, they've beaten uh, Tampa a couple weeks ago. You know, Hats off to that, but those are teams trending in different directions. I think Chicago will come back down to reality, but I think the reason I have them here is that they can go compete with anybody because I think defensively they have the personnel. And I think Nagy can get the most out of his offense. So I have Chicago at 10. And number nine, the Saints. You still worry about the Saints moving forward just because, you know, I don't think their defense is playing at a high level right now, even though I do think they'll get better. I have issues and question marks about Drew Brees. But I think just Sean Payton, like I said, I love good head coaches and in a a well-coached football team. I think the Saints are a well-coached team. And I think they're going to win some games here. Do they win the division? Interesting to see. I think they're going to need help from other teams as far as, you know, beating Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay losing a game here, game there. Because Tampa's, Tampa's rolling right now. They're a good team. Roster-wise, mm, maybe better than the Saints. I don't know. At this point, I think Brady's a better quarterback than Drew Brees just because I think physically, arm strength-wise, they both can't move. But I think arm strength-wise... Brady's a lot better, and so I think he could play within the framework of the offense better and, and or at least do what they're, what Arians is trying to do at, at, a, at a higher level than, than maybe Drew Brees because Drew Brees just – the arm strength isn't there, and he just can't push the ball down the field. I don't care what anybody says. But I do think the Saints are going to win some games. I still think they can go 10-6, and 11-5 because I think there's the really well-coached team, and I think you're going to see Sundays where Drew does play well, like the Detroit game, like the second half against Chargers where it's like, okay – we need you to play. He'll have a good, you know, have a good Sunday, but then you're going to see some Sundays where, you know, he lays an egg. And so expect that. And the man's 41 years old to be 42 in January. So he's not going to play an MVP level, but I have the Saints at number nine. At number eight, you're starting to see the Bills. Bills coming down to reality. You're just starting to see it. I think, you know, well-coached team, like I said, I think Josh Allen is the thing I keep saying. Just watch him going forward. He hasn't really played well the past couple of weeks. 
I think Josh Allen is a guy that when it, he reminds me of Lamar Jackson in this aspect. When everything is going well, when the game plan is on script, he's really damn good. But what happens when it gets off script? What happens when you're down 14? You know, what happens when, you know, the defense is forcing you to make a play? And we're going to see. I still think he's good. I still think he's talented. But I have to see in crunch time, I'll continue to say it. He absolutely, you know, wet the bed when, you know, they needed him in crunch time against the Houston Texans last year in the playoffs. We have to see what he can do in crunch time. I think they're starting to fall down a little bit. But Josh Allen will be the reason they elevate because I think the defense is good. I think the coaching staff is good. It's going to be him that's going to have to elevate them to that next level. And number seven, Seattle. And you're probably thinking, well, Seattle's undefeated. Why don't you have them higher? I don't give a shit about their record. The reality is what I see. I think Seattle is a very average roster, even below. But I think Russell Wilson is really, really good. And they're winning a lot of close games. Same thing they did last year. They just win very close games. They're not blowing teams out. Their margin of victory isn't high. I think that will come back down to reality. They're going to lose some games. I still love Russell Wilson. He's amazing. I think DK Metcalf is amazing, even though I think Russell Wilson is elevating him higher than maybe what he, what you would think he is. You know, I think they could win this division, even though there's some good teams in this division. What is San Francisco? That's a big question mark because health is a question mark for them. But, you know, as of right now, their, their roster to me just isn't great. And I don't see them getting to that Super Bowl level. They're number six, Green Bay. You saw Tampa Bay really put it to Green Bay. It reminds me last year, Green Bay traveled. Green, I think they went about the same spot, undefeated. They traveled to uh, Los Angeles to play the Chargers. And the Chargers blew them off the field. And that was a very average to below average Chargers team. But if you get physical with them, you know, they kind of back off. Rodgers, when he trails, is not as great. Could that be a leadership issue? Could it be like just, okay, well, you know, yeah, we're just going to, you know, shut it down. It could be. I don't think he's a great leader. I don't think he's a rallier of the troops like a Brady, like a Breeze. You know, let's stick with it. Even though we're down 14, we can still win. I don't think he's that guy. And I think they're going to be trending downwards a little bit, even though I still like him as a football team, still a good roster. And number five, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Pittsburgh kind of showed Sunday because they hadn't really played good teams when they played Cleveland, who I think is a pretty good team. I mean, they beat the crap out of them. Big Ben's playing at a really good level. Chase Claypool, the rookie out of Notre Dame, is a stud. Defense is really good, even though they just lost Devin Bush. They're really solid. It's a solid football team. Great game this Sunday with them in Tennessee. I think Tennessee's damn good, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But Pittsburgh's solid, man. And Big Ben's playing at a really, really good level. So Pittsburgh at number five. At number four, Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens are still really good. I, I get they lost to the Chiefs. And to me, Lamar Jackson is pulling back a little bit because, like I said, when people start to realize the game plan here, which is make the guy throw, make him you know, stay in the pocket, he's not going to be as effective. Now, once again, they're a great on-script team because they have the players to play on-script because they have a, a really good O-line, really good defense. they got playmakers, so they could play on-script. And when they're on-script, they're really good. They are damn good. Lamar Jackson can play. He can play the RPO game. And, you know, it's very, extremely effective. He's one of the best athletes we've ever seen. But the question will be, what happens when they're down? What happens when it goes off script? I don't think they're as good. That's why they struggle against Kansas City. Because Kansas City just bam, bam, bam. They put it on them, in your face, touchdown, another one, 14 nothing. now what you're going to do. And they struggle. And so that would be my issue with Baltimore at number four. At number three, Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is shocking. Why? Ryan Tannehill's playing a pretty good level. Now, I think that pulls back. I think we always get so excited. Well, Ryan Tannehill's killing it. Yeah, right now, early in the year, you know, when things are going well. But what happens late in the year? 
even though they made it to the AFC Championship last year, he was not great in the playoffs. How much can you rely on Derrick Henry through a 16-game season and the playoffs, even though he is an absolute monster? He is a tank. And he's a guy who can be effective. Why? Why can he be effective? Because he's so big, so physical, that he can take that beating. But I don't care who you are. I mean, it's going to eventually wear on you. Can it, can it stay with that long of a season? I think it can, but I think Mike Vrabel showing he's a really damn good coach, and they have a really good roster. They're just a solid team. Nothing that jumps off the chart at you except for Derrick Henry, and like I said, I think Tannehill pulls back a little bit as the season goes along, but Tennessee is just solid, and like I said, that game this Sunday with Pittsburgh is going to be really, really good. Then, at number two, is a big surprise, but I got Tampa Bay. I think, like I keep saying, they're going to start, it's going to start all falling into place. Once they, they get the reps together, and by midseason, they will be humming because their roster is really damn good. I think Brady's still pretty good. I don't care if you don't like him or not. He's got six Super Bowl rings. He's a winner. He's a leader. I would almost view him as a second head coach of this team as far as, like, changing the culture of the team. His leadership is going to take them over the top. You know, like Sunday, they absolutely blew the, the Packers off the field, but it wasn't necessarily Brady's play. I mean, he played well. But it was the defense forcing turnovers. And I, like I said, it's leadership that will take them over the top. I think just they are very, very talented. But I love Brady's leadership. And I think Brady will win this divorce with Belichick. And I like Tampa at number two. Number one is Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City can lose a game or maybe not look good. That's fine. Kansas City is still good. You saw it last year. We were like, oh, I don't think Kansas City is that good. Right? But like this time of the year, they lost a the game here. Mahomes got hurt. What happened? Oh, bam, last four weeks of the season, they turn it on. It's a light switch with them. It's a light switch with Mahomes. You saw it. Second half of the Super Bowl, or even the fourth quarter, just bam, light switch. Okay, we're down 10. Let's go. And that's the type of team they are. That's how good Mahomes is. That's how good Andy Reid is. Still a really good roster. Not the greatest defense in the world, but you don't have to be because your your, your offense is just so dynamic. And once again, when it's time to turn it on, they'll turn it on. So Kansas City at number one.